Hey, listen, we are, we are in a series, and we're finishing today. We've been talking about um, coming out of the wilderness and, and helping us to understand what God's role is in surviving the wilderness. Uh, first week, I, I led us into the understanding as we uh, kind of um, unfolded this uh, special, this, um, this series. I, I helped us unfold that a little bit. And what I said was that it really begins with us. It begins with us saying that I am willing to step out and cross the line and step over the line, step over the line of my safety, but step into the line of, of God's work and let God do his thing. So it takes that first step of saying, I'm willing to just place my life in God's hands. And by doing that, God can lead me out of the wilderness. The second week, we talked about the importance of community. And I reminded you that, that it wasn't just one person that was created, but there were two. And, and out of that, the world became populated. And that was that when God created both Adam and Eve, God looked at creation at that point and said, it is very good. And so we, we know the importance of community. And in that series, we said that, that we are confronted with challenges in our lives and through the wilderness. We have to make sure that we're surrounding ourselves with the right people. And the right people, because the people that we associate with, we're going to take on their value system. We're going to take on kind of their character. So we need to be very careful that we are entrusting our lives with the right folks. Week three, I talked about baggage. I mean, listen, I wasn't talking about taking a trip. I was talking about the stuff that we all have. I mean, no one in this room is exempt from baggage. Your pastor, I'm not exempt from baggage. I probably have more baggage than you have. I just hide it well. But the point is, is that, you know, how do we deal with the baggage? How do we deal with the hurts, the disappointments, the letdowns, the kinds of things that, that impact our relationships to make sure that when we move into a new relationship or when we're trying to make a new friendship or maybe even a long-term covenantal commitment of marriage, how we can make sure that we're not bringing all that baggage from our past into this new relationship. And I used a helium balloon and we cut that and we said, you know, God wants us to soar. And, and we saw that image of that, and to just leave our baggage behind. Uh, last week, Pastor Pam talked to us about brokenness. And, and many of us in the room, if not all of us, uh, we've all sent some sense of brokenness in our life. And, and she helped us to understand that, that God not only just wants us to survive the wilderness, God wants us to thrive outside of the wilderness. So to understand and have our brokenness redeemed and to move forward in the life that God planned. So today we're, we're finishing up and we're, we're gonna talk about what we do as we're living in the wilderness, how we take this final step. And let me just kind of give a quick working definition. When I talk about wilderness, I'm not talking about like where Bear Grylls goes and we watch it on TV or that other show, uh, Naked and Afraid and all that other stuff. I mean, we, we're, wilderness is that when we have those experiences that, that just kind of pit against us, that maybe it's a divorce or it's a death of a loved one or, or a strained relationship with a child in your life um, or, or a relationship with someone else or, or just maybe you're struggling with yourself or unemployment or whatever the case is. Wilderness experiences, how God leads us out of those. And it's really important for us to know that definition. Uh, several weeks ago, I really appreciate you all because several weeks ago, um, I shared with you a, a dilemma in my family and, and my second oldest brother, I have three brothers, my second oldest brother, Tom, was diagnosed with mantle cell lymphoma. Um, it's, it's a nasty disease, it really is. And, and, and what it is is the body produces white blood cells and those white blood cells are supposed to fight off all infections that we have. Mantle cell lymphoma takes white blood cells and turns them into cancerous cells. And what that means is because it's part of the lymphatic system, it means that he is of a great risk of, of having this cancer metastasize very rapidly in, in his body and, and possibly lead to, to, to death. 
And so he was talking to me about that. And, and my brother Tom is the scientist of all of us. Uh, he actually is a scientist. He's a microbiologist by trade, uh, owns a couple of businesses, and, and science is kind of his life. And when he called me and was sharing with me what was going on with this diagnosis, um, his scientific mind went into gear. And he started talking about, you know, um, uh, you know what, what the odds are of survivability. He talked about you know, what, what cure rates were. He talked about uh, different kinds of plans and, 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 and what would happen along this journey with his disease. Now, the good thing about my brother is, yes, he's a scientist, but he's a Christian. And he understands Jesus, and he understands that Christ died for his sins. So while Tom is thinking about scientifically how the world works and operates and all those things, he's balancing that with what God is doing and interacting into his life. But he got to a point in our conversation when, when he just stopped talking. And, I, and at that moment, um, I, I just kind of understood that the gravity of his situation was weighing heavily on him. And I don't know about you, but, but silence can be deadly at times. I mean, I, I think as a people, we're not wired to like silence. Now, maybe when our kids come over and they're yelling and screaming, we're like, silence, I wanna watch a football game. But, but no, but, I mean, but when, when, when we have something going on in our life, we kinda wanna just chat about it. It's like that nervous chatter. Well, he, he stopped talking. And we sat there in silence. I mean, it was like, oh, good two minutes. We just sat there. And, and after about that two minutes, I, I really believe the Holy Spirit just encouraged me to say this. And I just said to him, I just said, Tom, you can be overwhelmed by the situation. You can be overwhelmed by the reality of what you're dealing with. But brother, you gotta just go one day at a time. And so I really feel like that, that's where we need to be today, one day at a time. So how do we get out of the wilderness? We survive the wilderness one day at a time. And if you think about that, surviving one day at a time, isn't that all we can do? Is we, is any of us, we, we just have to just look at the day as it comes. I mean, waiting is excruciating. It's not something that we're, we're wired to do. I mean, I have to say that, that in the situation with my brother, that, that in this waiting and in this one day at a time, he is learning so much about himself. He's learning so much about who he is as a, as a man of faith. He's learning about God in his life in a different perspective because of the reality of his situation. So, so as we're talking today about how do we survive the wilderness, how do we wrap this up, it's one day at a time. And, and here's kind of where I wanna lead off with. When God makes a way for us, the way always or generally takes time. I mean, you and I, as much as we think we can, we can't control time. I mean, we can look at our watch and we can kind of doodle around at our job or whatever, but, but in reality, God is the possessor of time. And God is the one who makes time happen. It is within time that God chooses to operate. And God is the one that during that time who makes things happen. I mean, let's look at scripturally. I mean, you know, it, it took time. So even the creation story, it tells us that there was a time that God created. Now, some people will argue that are literalists about scripture that seven 24-hour days. I don't think so, Tim. I think, you know, we, we worry too much about that and what we need to understand is God created over time. We, we learn in the, in the scriptures also that, um, that the people of God, as they came out of Egypt, that they wandered through the wilderness. It took time, 40 years. It was time, and during that time, God was intervening, God was interacting, God was, was shaping the hearts of the people of Israel coming out of the bondage of Egypt, going into the promised land. It took time 
for Jesus the Messiah to come the first time. And, and the prophets had, had heralded that message for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And finally, Jesus shows up on the scene. But it, it's, it's time. You know, God chooses in God's own time how to handle the situations and help us deal with the situations of our life. But the challenge is, though, is that we're wired for instant gratification. We're, high, we're, we're wired for, we want it now. We want to make it happen. We want to deal with it. We just want it all now, and we just want to be happy as that goes. So the question that we have as we're looking to come out of the wilderness is, is what are we willing to do to trust God's timing in all the things of life? And that's, that's really where I want us to be, where I want us to be today. So here, here's what I've witnessed again and again. Time allows God's healing solutions to be applied to the solution. God allows God's healing solutions to be applied to the situation. It requires time. It requires time for us to access God. It, it requires time for us to engage in God's love. It, it requires time for us to feel the presence of God in moments, doesn't it? I mean, some of us will say, it's been a long time since I've felt the Holy Spirit. It takes time. And God is interacting in, in all of these things. We, we see throughout that it takes time to experience God's love, his hope, his truth, and his help. But it's time that we need to look at. You know, it also takes time for us to understand because we're not real good. God can say something to us one time and we don't get it. I mean, look at the life of the disciples. They didn't get it. Jesus proclaimed for three years as he had them surrounding him that the time will come, that I'm going to leave this earth, that I'm going to the cross, that I'm going to die. And, and it came up to the end, even at the, at, at, the, at the end, they ran off into the upper room because they were afraid that all hope had died. They did not learn. They did not hear. They did not understand God's time. You know, kids are like that. Kids. How many of us have had kids or grandkids? We tell them something one time, and they don't do it. Anybody else besides me? I mean, I mean, have you ever told a kid, don't touch that, it's hot? All right, they, they do it. And so we don't learn the first time. You know, wounded hearts takes time. Broken relationships takes time. Restored health takes time. If you've ever had an affliction of your physical body and you go to the doctor, let's say you're, 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 you're sick, and the doctor says, I'm going to prescribe an antibiotic. Guess what? It doesn't cure you like that. It takes time, 10 days probably to be exact. But it takes time. And so we're working in the midst of God's time. So, but here's what trips us up. Letting time pass is not easy to do. Again, we are a results-oriented people. We want it now. We, we don't want to wait. So letting time pass is not easy to do. Um, we feel stretched, we feel discouraged, we feel frustrated. We're ready to give up when we're just a moment's of time away from the solution that we've been seeking. The longer I'm in ministry, the more it becomes clear that, that some people will feel desperate for the need to have their pain taken away instantaneously in a situation. If I'm in a broken relationship, I want that pain taken away immediately. If I'm, if I'm suffering in some capacity, I don't wanna be in pain, I don't wanna have to go through it. I want a solution to come quickly. You know what, we rob ourselves. We rob ourselves of the miracle and the restoration of what God will do. That's why Peter and James both said, consider it pure joy while you have to suffer. Consider it pure joy while you're going through difficult times so that God's work can be done in you. 
I, I hear it all the time when I'm, when I'm lovingly counseling people and they come to me in a, in a tragedy or they come to me in the midst of a crisis and they want me to just give them the silver bullet answer so they can walk out of the office with a smile on their face and go, whew, the pastor did it again. But it doesn't happen. It takes time. And time is the peace that we have. See, people who can submit to, to time's restrictions generally find better results than those who, who protest about it. The people who can submit to longevity of time and solving something see a greater outcome. Let me, let me just kind of use a business analogy. So um, most people, if you ask them, would, would you like a million dollars? What do you think they would say? Guys, you can speak, it's okay. Okay, yeah. At least Jeff would say yes, okay? Yes, okay. So, so, so here's the thing. So A, you either play the lottery and you have an instantaneous win, or you plan your life accordingly and you make smart business investments. You start sacrificing you know, things that you want today so that you can live better tomorrow. And you begin to build your wealth that way and you put a plan together. And see, see, the difference in that is, is one is instantaneous gratification, and, it, and you may just blow right through that and it not mean anything. The other is you, it takes work, and you're more conscientious about what you're going to do with it because it means more. It's the same thing about the investment of time. We see that coming into play. The plans, the proverb says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Another translation um, goes like this. It, it basically says, um, you know, steady plotting produces prosperity. So if I plot along, that produces prosperity, but hasty speculation, that that's gonna produce poverty. So what makes it hard to wait? You know, again, it, we're wired, the world, we've got, in, we got internet, we've got Facebook, we've got all these you know, text messages, emails, we've got all these ways, messenger, all these ways to, to get instant messaging and, and instant gratification but we have to wait. And waiting is a part of what gets us out of the wilderness. You see, I believe that, that in the waiting, we need to remember something. This is really important, so I want you to make sure you hear this. God is, is working like underground, okay? I know it sounds weird, but just follow me. God is like working underground. So when we're on the surface and we can't see things changing the way that we want them to or the way that we hope they are, God is working beneath that. So God is at work, and I love the song that we sang. It, it said that, and, and folks, this is, this is the Holy Spirit because when God speaks to the, the clergy and, and the worship team about, hey, this is what we're gonna preach on, God moves us to music. You see how all these songs are, are folding into very perfectly what we're talking about today. And, and so the significance of that is, is that we see that, that God is moving even when we can't see him. So if you're a person who's really struggling right now, if you're a person who, who's not sure, if you're a person who's like disappointed or angry at God because God hasn't given you or answered the way that you thought, remember this. God has been working through this solution before you even thought of it. And he's working beneath so that he will one day surface the answer, but time is what God works with. Here's what, Solomon, here's what uh, Jesus said in a, in a parable out of Mark 4. Jesus said, God's kingdom is like seed thrown on a field by a man who then goes to bed and forgets about it. My dad grew up on a farm in North Florida. So he, he was a soybean farmer, he was a peanut farmer, and he was a bean farmer, just regular, regular green bean kind of guy. So, so basically, 
um, he would have to work that. So they would plant, they would have to till it, they'd have to plant it, they'd have to fertilize it, they'd have to water it. Listen to what Jesus said. God's kingdom is like a seed thrown on a field by a man who then goes to bed and forgets about it. This man is paying no attention at all by what he's thrown out there. He's just taken a bunch of seed and he scattered it. The seed sprouts and grows, okay? So the man hasn't done anything, but the seed sprouts and grows. He has no idea how it happens. Well, I didn't till it, I didn't water it, I didn't fertilize it, I didn't take care of it, I didn't do anything. I just threw seed out and, and, and something's happening, Jesus says. The earth does it all without his help. First, a, a green stem of grass, then a bud, then it ripens a, a grain, and then the grain is fully formed, and then the man reaps. Harvest time. So do you, do you see who's doing the work here? It's God. You know, we, we, we learn in this parable two specific things. The first thing is that we learn is that we are to use what God puts in our hand. We are to use whatever it is that God has given us. We're not supposed to wish for more. We're not supposed to, you know, go and, and, and try to find more. We're supposed to use first and foremost what God, God gave this man seed and he used it. He threw it out and said, okay, God, there it is. The second thing that we learn is, is that we have to wait and not get ahead of God. Now, I know nobody here has ever done that. Nobody, I know I've done it, but I know y'all haven't done it. Y'all haven't ever tried to like force a decision. Y'all have never tried to, you know, make things work out the way you want. Nobody's done that, right? Okay, just me. So, but the whole point is we get ahead of God. And when we get ahead of God, we're meddling. When we get ahead of God, that underground isn't gonna work. When we get ahead of God, we are putting ourselves as the priority. We need to step back and we need to let go and let God, as that old saying used to say. But if there's one thing that helps us to tolerate time's passage, it's getting actively involved in the process of development that God has for us. You see, God wants us to become engaged. God wants us to become engaged in experiences with him. God wants us to be engaged in, in tasks with him. God wants us to be in, engaged in learning and trials and relationships. And all of that is a part of this path called life that we live. And every single experience that happens to you or me is a part of our story. And that is a story we need to tell. Because when you tell somebody, listen, this happened to me, and this, and this, and this, and here's what God did to help me through that, you know what? You're going to be encouraging the other person who's going through the same thing, but they haven't told you. Because we're all looking for a way to lean into how do we get through the wilderness? How do we get through life? And we let people know it's God. You see, some of us, we, we work hard in this world and we say, okay, the, the reward is eternity. Now, let's make sure we understand what eternity means in a biblical sense. It's not that you get your own cloud to fly on with your little angel wings and it happens after you're, you're dead. Jesus made it very clear that the kingdom of God is now. It's not something we have to wait on, it's now. So that's why the work of the church today is so important because we are doing the work of the kingdom today. Thy kingdom come now, thy will be done now on earth as it is in heaven. So whatever is in heaven, let it be done on earth. Whatever is in earth, let it reflect what's done in heaven. So eternity's definition is we are at a place being with God. So when you walk with God, you're experiencing eternity, friends. You don't have to wait. It's there. It's a part of who you are. But here, here's the one that really trips us up. Time alone 
does not heal. Time alone doesn't heal. Now, I'm one who's used that phrase, well, time will heal all wounds. You know, I'll do my radio voice, time will heal all wounds. But that's not true. Time alone can't heal. You see, that's the person who, who doesn't do anything but just sits there and says, well, well God, will, God, God will solve it. Again, James, faith without works is dead. You have an illness. Well, I'm not gonna go to a doctor because God will heal me. Well, maybe God, over time, gave an education to doctors and nurses and caregivers for the tools to heal you. And maybe in time, that's what you need to do. But no, I'm just gonna wait because God will heal me. We have to be really careful with this. Some people think that all I have to do is be patient and wait, and then God's gonna bring something that I desire and just lift, lift, lift it right up to me and deliver it right there. The truth is, time happens in seasons. Not all periods of time are the same, but time happens in seasons. Listen to what Solomon wrote. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 3, everything that happens in this world happens at the what? Time, who chooses? God chooses. He sets the time for birth and the time of death. He sets the time for planting. He sets the time for pulling up. So, so life is filled with seasons. So you and I need to look at that that way, that life is seasons. So what are the seasons? Well, the seasons are what? Winter, spring, summer, and fall, right? So winter, what, what does the winter season do? If you are in a winter season of your life, what do you do? You are looking at desolation around you and you're saying, okay, I can't go outside because it's snowy or, or the, the weather won't allow, it's too cold. So I'm gonna start doing things to prepare for when good weather comes. I'm gonna go out and mend fences or I'm gonna go work on broken relationships or I'm gonna sit down and make a plan so when, it, when I can get out into the next season of life, I can start implementing things. That's what the winter season does. Winter is not about death, it's actually preparing for new life. Then we, then we come to the spring season. The spring is, it's new beginnings and renewed hope. You know, let's, let's continue to use this um, metaphor of farming. You, you plow and you aerate soil, you provide fertilizer, water, and a controlled climate. You wait a little while and you hope and you're hoping that, that what you have done now, the plan that you've put in winter, that now you're starting in spring, maybe, just maybe, you'll start seeing things to sprout, and you do. And you began to see things happen. Why did it happen? Because in winter, you put the plan together and you knew that you needed to do that in the spring. Then summer comes, right? This is the season where growth is apparent. Uh, you continue to grow, making sure that, that all the plants that you put in the ground at spring are coming to life. You're diligent to keep going. You aren't lulled into stopping because some good changes started happening last season. Summer makes you keep working at those same tasks and for ultimately what fall brings, which is the harvest. In the fall time, to continue to use that metaphor, metaphor off of Jesus's parable of a man throwing seed and look what happens. It's in the fall that we begin to see fruit come off of the crops that we've planted. The ideas, the relationships, the outcomes begin to bear fruit. And it's there that, that we then harvest that fruit and we harvest and use some of the fruit for the here and the now. And we store up fruit for later, knowing that when the winter comes, we have to sustain ourselves to get back through there. You see, time is seasons. Seasons is God. God is time and seasons. And God is the one who moves us out of the wilderness in the season and in the time that is appropriate to his plan. You see, we can, we can be sure of this. We can be sure that as we're walking through the wilderness, that God will deliver. 
Pastor Pam hit the nail on the head last week in brokenness. God will provide. In fact, when Jesus commissioned the, the, the world of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he says, and I will be with you always until the end of the age. Other translations say end of the times. God's promise is always to be there. So God's timing is crucial. God's timing is true. We're never left on our own. God will always have a way out of the wilderness perfectly timed. Amen?